0: Thanks, folks. Welcome to episode 128 of the Far Metal Podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Frederick from Von Dogma I discusses his first band, and I recommend the band Phase Transition. Before all that, I welcome Luke Fabian from Pupil Slicer onto the show. Pupil Slicer are a fairly new band in the scene, but their two albums are already solidifying them as one of modern math metal's finest. The band just released their album Blossom, which already showcases a tonal shift for the young band. Luke and I talk about the new record, Slap Bass, The Run with Boris, the lyrical nature of the band, the tonal shift, and more. So before we dive into my chat with Luke, here's some of the title track from the latest Pupil Slicer record, Blossom. Hi there. Howdy.
1: Howdy. <laughs> okay, my camera's still not great, but um, it's better than it was. Don't worry it about it. It works externally and it looks really good high res like yours, but when I use Zoom, the interface or something must just absolutely, just fucks its quality basically. But anyway, hi. Don't worry about it all,
0: hello to you as well. Good uh, early evening, judging by the light?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like I finished work a couple of hours ago, like an hour or so ago.
0: Without doxing you too much, what's the day job?
1: Um, I like my job. So I work for, um, there's a government agency, sort of. It's like a government-owned company called the Ordnance Survey. <clears throat> and what they basically do is make uh, maps as well as provide lots of geospatial data services to the government as well as to like external, part, uh, external clients. And I'm a project manager and I work there. And the project I manage is called OS Maps. Uh, and it's like a consumer product where you have – like, we make basically all the hiking maps that you would buy for, like, leisure. Oh, very cool. Hiking and stuff, yeah, because uh, right of access is very different like it is in America. Our product's available in America, and we have American topographic mapping, but it's just – it's not like hiking in Europe. Do you know what I mean? It's like just the scale is way bigger in America, and it's, like, way more dangerous. Sure. <laughs> and you're like, you go into someone's land, you might get lost for three days. You can't really do that in the U.K., do you know what I mean, you just go, oh, that's a path behind someone's house. OK, that's fine. But anyway, I, I, I project manage an application that you can use as a hiking uh, app, basically, to plan hiking and stuff like that. Are you a big stuff hiker yourself?
0: I'm, I'm guessing you are.
1: That was one of the reasons I applied for the job. But prior to that, I was a project manager, but I worked in like financial. I've worked in financial services uh, in like an insurance company. So now it's basically more allowed for me to look like this. <laughs> uh because i work for primarily an outdoorsy kind of uh, organisation you know and they're cool and corporate the culture's way softer man than it was like 10 years ago trust me
0: i mean half my gig is at home at my my office job and i've got a mr bungle shirt on right now and no no
1: one's any none of any the wiser so it's fine same exactly i normally have some rad shirts on but i just you know kept it plain today sure this isn't a video interview anyway, is it? It's just uh, audio.
0: No, I'm going to hit record just to have an audio backup from here on. Cool. But cool, uh, cool. no, no, we don't have to worry about
1: recording in yeah, progress. So there's
0: that lady. I had uh, Tom England on from Evergrey once, and he was really freaking out about the video because his hair wasn't done. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about... i get my hair out. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> there you go. I mean, Thanks. you see what I've got going, so very jealous. Hey,
1: dude, it's, it's, it's fine. How old are you? Uh,
0: I'm 34.
1: I'm 33, so that's just luck of the draw, man. So, no hard feelings. I blame
0: my mother's father for that. Apparently, that's how the genetics work on that.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I figure we should talk about people Slicer. I could talk about maps and hair all day, because, I mean, you've probably (laughs) talked enough about
1: metal and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, go on. We'll talk about Slicer. Yeah, we'll talk about Slicer a piece.
0: Yeah so uh, i want to dive in just right to the new record a bit Uh, i remember reading on the band's twitter not long after mirrors came out that it was basically written in in like 2021 or so so how has like the time i mean since it's been written for a while in some fashion how is it now that it's getting out there for you
1: are these songs old to you already well so just just to clarify like twitter is sort of like kate's personal like brain
0: uh (laughs) all
1: right unloading station. Um, but Cake does good on the Twitter. Like, people dig it, man. Um, but anyway, like, it was, some of it was written, but, like, bits of it were being assembled, like, kind of quite close in the lead-up to the recording and stuff. Um, and, yeah, there was structure, like, structurally some of those compositions existed, but in terms of, like, the detail and maybe even, like, the lyrics or finalising guitar parts or base parts or everything basically to differing extents depending on what we're talking about um i'd say it's probably like 80 85 percent done well probably more than that probably more like 90 i'm probably being a bit harsh uh and then it came together then but to actually answer your question as to what it was like what it's like now it's like super fresh still basically so in our set currently live we have the three singles that we released um and we, I mean, we've jammed bits of the other songs, but we haven't like played any of the other songs live yet. So that's all still like really uh, exciting stuff. And hopefully we've got a batch of shows coming up now in the summer, um, including Download and Mystic Festival in Poland um, and Radar Festival, which is like a prog festival uh, up in the north um, in uh, in England. Um uh, then hopefully we've got a bit of a break kind of around that time for a while. So we're going to try and work in a couple of new songs, hopefully. That'd be very cool. If I can kick everyone's asses into gear and get them to learn the material. Um, Are you the band parent in that to. regard? Um, I'd say we're, we're all parents in different ways. I'm more like uh, a sort of annoyed uncle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kate's the, Kate would be mum. And then... We're all children in our own way.
0: I mean, in my you know? <laughs> in my band, I'm the one making spreadsheets and making sure everybody's got picks and stuff
1: before we go on stage. So, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, we it, we, you know what? Like, we're just still learning to work together as a team better. And, and I, you know, I don't think any band who hasn't been together for like less than ten years or something would say they're doing it otherwise because it's like a learning process. Still right. and About different personalities and stuff. But, yeah, like, it's just, yeah, get a couple of new songs in the set would be cool. Um, yeah, because, like, people really uh, are vibing out to some of the post, post-metal post kind of um, black metal vibe stuff on there, as well as the heavier tracks, um, like Creating the Devil in Armour, Image, um, yeah, and Departure in Solitude. I want to get that one in there, because that's, like, slammer. So, just see the pits, um, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read there's like a wild, like diverse collection of influences, both musically and then lyrically from books and movies and whatnot. Uh, what's probably the most unexpected place that one of you has drawn influence from in this? That might um, surprise yourself or anybody listening.
1: I mean, Kate is listening to well, drawing upon all sorts of uh, media I would say perhaps Marocart influenced it. No, I didn't really. Um, but I mean, I personally was like looking through kind of like some philosophy stuff, like, bit you know, because I'm quite a standard esoterical head like that. I was like reading some Nietzsche and Heidegger um, and that Danish guy. I can't remember his name now. Koheken <laughs> uh, grad. Anyway, uh, and I just had a big list of, stuff that I thought was quite powerful um, and quite cool and then gave that to Kate as like an input list and some of those titles basically became the song titles and then Kate used that to kind of impose it upon the narrative or picked bits that fitted in this overall structure that Kate kind of had visualised just like providing creative prompts you know Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of like I saw this uh, years ago. There was like a David Bowie exhibition at the at the Victoria Albert Museum in London, which is really cool. It's like a design museum um, and like fashion and stuff. So of course Bowie's there, and it showed like how I think in the '90s or early 2000s he had some software written uh, to basically <clears throat> emulate his randomization process. So in the '70s, you just used to like write words and like put them in a in a in like a box and just jumble them all around and then pull out like if i was a really big david bowie fan now i could quote some david bowie lyrics and we're actually is an example of that but anyway you get the idea but then he created a software to do that um and i sort of always thought oh that's a cool idea because you just like grab things that you find interesting and then accumulate them and then just give it to the boss um and then the boss will filter it through like you know and it comes out like that so that's kind of an interesting way in the same way that I read like the other day that James Hetfield just has a notepad, right? He just writes stuff in,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he's like, listening to music and um, whatever. So yeah, we've, we found some influences like that and Kate um, drew some influences from some gaming stuff um, and some movies like sci-fi. I kept saying uh, to Kate, we needed to talk about some Kafka stuff. Um, so we started off again being quite basic and kind of referencing the metamorphosis in there, which if you know what that is, is about... A guy that wakes up and suddenly he's become a bug, but not like, but he's not interacting with people in like a cartoonish way as a bug. He just wakes up as a bug and his parents are trying to beat the shit out of him and the girl that he was talking to before. Uh, he's quite flexus <laughs> and interested and all that. Uh, anyway, it's just like an absurdist thing, I think, from like the early, early 20th century. So there you go. There's a couple of things that kind of influenced it.
0: Sure. And then uh, musically, like you said, uh, there's post metals black metal, is a lot more stuff going on than mirrors. Which I mean, mirrors of course was not one one idea. No, but uh, so were there any like avenues you guys tried to go down that just didn't work, or there, was there any sort of genre pastiche that was off limits for you?
1: To be honest, nothing, nothing. I, it is it is cliche or pastiche to say, but nothing is really off limits. Um in terms of when we're digesting stuff obviously what the limiting factor is is not what's off limits it's actually like what what is the scope of what we can actually achieve as individuals um i.e for example uh we could put really cool uh vocal harmonies and do them live with me and kate rather than it being on the backing track and it's like kate's layered vocals and stuff but i can't sing that (laughs) So, like as much as i would like uh, yeah at this point anyway so like you know as much as like putting queen or like melvin style kind of dual harmonies or whatever and stuff that'd be that'd be rocking but i just can't do it yet so just to see i'm oh, yeah. see the point i'm taking is like it's i mean maybe i mean there's some things like because i mean kate listened to some hyper pop and puts that on in the van and like i'm just basically like a middle-aged metalhead at this point right so it's like i can get with it a bit um, but then there's a point and it's going to so bring a bit of this in and I'm like, come on, you know, that's a bit too far. Like it has, it has to, you know, would Chuck let that in As <laughs> Chuck from death? I'm joking. Um, that's when I'm not, I don't even, I don't gatekeep in my own band. Um, <laughs> maybe I should, I, if, I, I, if, I did, if I did, it wouldn't be as good. Um, so do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Sure. I, I feel like I might be Kate in my band because I've seen your videos where you're working on uh, bass like covers and there's a lot of funk and there's like some art, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff like that. And I'm always trying to sneak in, you know, bit of honey, boogie, oogie, oogie kind of bullshit into prog metal. And it's being met with. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool.
1: What about this? <laughs> All right. I got you. Oh, fair enough. Thanks. Thanks for checking that out, man. But yeah, like <clears throat> in fairness, I still kind of get my moves in. Because the um the bass line for the chorus in momentary actuality is is quite is pretty much a rip of a chili song. Um and I got that in there. But it's just kinda hidden amongst stuff. But like I was playing it the other day and the, the our our new guitarist Alex was like, Yeah, that literally just does he's like, What's that? I was like, That's that's the, that's the chorus. That is like, You're joking? I thought he was just playing a chili pepper song. I was like, see. This is like that's how under the under the radar mm. bass players go. Even guitarists in their own band don't even know what, what they're doing. I'm joking. Um but yeah, you take the point, right? No oh, yeah. So
2: my last I mean I, I
1: tried to get some war in there, um, not auto war, some manual war on the album, but it was just a bit over the top. Um maybe next time. I didn't practice with I didn't practice with it too much though. I just kinda of bought into the studio and Lewis, the guy that uh the uh the engineer and producer of it was just like nah and i knew i knew it's because i was just fucking around basically i didn't bring in like a fully formed idea do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it was sort of like what about that and he was was like "Mm, not sure it needs it and then you go "Ah, okay fine uh so moral of the story is like be more prepared yeah uh i don't know
0: how much you are involved well you mentioned giving kate ideas but is this to you guys a concept record and how do you feel about that whole angle on
1: this i guess um so the, the the overall arc and um narrative of of the album we had kind of discussions about how to surface that um, i i kind of cuz i'm more of a literal person thought we should do it in more of an obvious signposted way like uh you know how rush or yes or a band like that would do it, where it would say, like, part two, this thing happens in italics <laughs> in the booklet. But Kate wanted to take, and ultimately did, uh, implement the thing which was more, is a bit more op- obfuscated um, and is kind of deliberately maybe nuanced and totally not so clear, so as to leave it in a way that if you piece together the... Um, Things indicated by the videos, as well as like um, kind of looking at the lyrics and stuff, and picking up on the vibe of a song in where it may sit in the overall context of the feel of the album and stuff, you can begin to put that together yourself. So, for example, in all the Coheed and Cambria stuff, they've got this extensive um, kind of story that sits behind all their music. And I like Coheed a lot, and I don't even know about half of it. Like, I was, I was like, okay, so something's going on here with someone's related to this royal family that fits in the Vaxis arc or whatever. And you, you go, okay, I get bits of it, but um, they like name, everything's named, you know, and it's like there and they make comic books about it. So it's very kind of one-to-one like that. Whereas I think we tried to take away, that was a bit more um, kind of maybe not deliberately ambiguous, but leaving room for more um, interpretation and the arc being kind of, going from you know the, the the low and explosion of everything up to kind of rebirth and and then the arc kind of in that you know that's mm. a classic arc in all in all in all kind of media right redemption really
0: will there be haunted bicycles in yours like there are in coheed
1: well this is the thing so it's kind of like do we revisit that and like one thing that happened in that you could pull that out and make that something else and then do parts one and two i love i love dream theater as well so yeah obviously they've got tons of that kind of stuff but it's it, it's done very differently isn't it because sometimes when the prog, more prog metal bands do that it's kind of just a bit more there and obvious um and prescribed mm-hmm. in, in not necessarily in a bad way rather than kind of Yeah, the way that that we've we've approached it. But then, I've kind of, when I've spoken about this before, kind of just tried to leave it open and say stuff, which is deliberately vague, to make people go and look at it. Mm -hmm. So Yeah,
0: it's probably for the best. Then you get your own...
1: I'm being an arsehole like that, so sorry, man.
0: No, all good. I mean, I don't... I think it's better, even for the fans, really, if an artist doesn't say explicitly what his song's about. Because then, they can't really relate to it as much. So... As far as making like a human connection, I think you're in the right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. a bit of creating the devil in our image from the new album Blossom by Pupil Slicer. I'll have more with Luke in a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere in this episode. Frederick from Von Dogma I* discusses his first band.
3: Uh, My first band ever, I started playing bass in 98 and like within three or four months I was in the band and uh, it was called Dharma Bombs, which is um, the title of a book by, uh, oh my God, what's his name? I'm going to sound ridiculous here Jack Kerouac okay Dharma Bombs and it was the idea of being like hippies and uh, it was just a cover band but we'd play you know amongst other things Radiohead but Rage Against the Machine in all the 90s rock uh, landscape because that's what the landscape was at the time so yeah Dharma Bombs cover band my first experiences and I think unexpected was like my second or third band so it it went pretty fast
0: as a bassist that I know does a lot of slapping in 1998, were you playing corn covers as well?
3: I didn't understand the the tuning forever, and I was playing a four string at first. I so I wasn't playing corn covers. No, I never really learned the corn songs, but uh, but I was super into it. And you know, uh, you know, it's funny after "Follow the Leader," every bass player wanted to play like Fieldy. It was that new thing of like holding the bass upright and like slapping on that low B or whatever. But yeah, I was playing four string at the time, so I didn't understand their tuning.
0: I had a four string and I dropped down to B to try to sound like, actually, I think it was A, because they played a a five, and it just sounded terrible, because it was maybe (laughs) a squire or something.
3: You do need the the right instrument and the right gauge to do that. I figured out some more uh, extensive tuning, let's say, uh, in the following years.
0: Cult of Glitch by Von Dogma Eye is out now. Grab your copy over at Vondogmaeye.bandcamp.com and hear my full interview with him back on episode 125 at Podcast.com. Now before we conclude my conversation with Luke from Pupil Slicer, here's a bit of momentary actuality from the band's new record, Blossom. the if if i can completely change gears y'all just wrapped a a run with boris which is very cool but not a band i would expect pupil slicer to play with so how was that run with boris and what flavor of boris were they because were they doom were they noise were they thrash i saw them yeah go
1: go on when when did you see them
0: uh last year with the band nothing which that was also a weird pair because it was like shoegaze and then they came out and they did like the last record stuff the like jaguar print one so it was thrashy and like hard rock so
1: that's what that's what they were playing when we saw them. All right. And the, and the drummer, because I'm not like a huge Boris historian, I was like somewhat aware of them um, through, you know, some of my friends that like read Pitchfork and shit like that, who were like, there's this band that are like really heavy and that, you'd probably like them type thing. And Kate had mentioned them before because of all the drone and that. Um but that, that just got kind of pitched, and I think Boris are quite keen on Slicer, so that kind of came about, like, which was quite left-field in of itself. And their material was kind of, as you say, was the heavy rock stuff. So it's more like motorhead, black flag, kind of Iggy in the pop, sorry, Iggy in the Stooges kind of like garage punk with bits of the experimental Boris stuff and just that's... Atsuo's kind of, you know, compelling rock magic that he does mm-hmm. um, and just is like his his command of the crowd is like phenomenal. Obviously, like he well not obviously, but he's normally the drummer and stuff. So I think because he was not behind, you know, not chained to the kit, so to speak, and could just be a front man. He was like having a ball, you know, because he was like looking at Josh's drums, drumming our band. Josh is like, do you want to go? He's like, no, <laughs> obviously not. I am I don't have to play the drums. Actually, played the drums a bit at the end of Boris's set. Um, but yeah, so they did that one night. Uh, we did two nights in Oslo and they did a drone set. Um, and I think it hit like 130, 140 on the death spell counter, um, which is like seriously loud for people that, you know, aren't in on the technical speaker or whatever like that. But uh, the building was like actually shaking. This kind of shack down in the student hipstery bit uh in Oslo. <laughs> yeah, and they just pl- they had like they bought in more amps than they already had. So there must have been I don't know, about 20 to 25 amps or something like that Jesus. on stages. There was like four there was like four ampeg base cabinets, but like the the eight tens. And then I think two more oranges or something behind that. So that was just bass. So just bass alone, there was, like, six cabs. Um, Yeah. Sonic excess at its finest. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That was crazy. We covered a Boris song um, and did a drone song that first night that we kind of learned a bit on the fly. Um, And we listened to it together in the van a bit. And Kate made us all kind of, like, lead sheets so we could sort of see what was happening. And we just played it, and it was... uh, interesting actually i'm not huge on drone personally um i think it's more fun for me personally it's like more fun to play than it is to um actually watch i can see that yeah um although it's kind of like i have this rule like music that i really love is like you shouldn't really need to be have any enhancements to really love it right i.e be high or drunk or whatever so um not massively into edm or like hard trance or anything like that. Likewise, um, it's like, can I enjoy an hour of drone without being really baked? Probably not. I did try a bit when I saw Suno years ago uh, in a tent. It was it was horrendous because it was like forty degrees in there as well. It's literally like being in hell, um, <laughs> temperature wise and visually. Uh, but yeah, it really could like the, the sound like when it hits you is really cool because you feel it in your gut and stuff like that and it's like sends you into this trance or something like a hamster being in front of a giant speaker or something but um, I don't know the, the, the point that I discussed with the band was like it's philosophically interesting but for me I'd rather like some crossover or some thrash yeah, sure. or even some or even some doom just something with a beat basically yeah um, but kudos is really cool stuff and like Boris, one of the masters at it. I'm told. I had to. Me and Kate wrote an article about Melvin's, right? Right. And there's a and there's a famous Melvin's drone track. that's like 15 minutes long. And I tried with that as well. That was a bit better because it kind of got heavy and a bit more y, neuroses like with like, bit kind of slow beat downs and slow like slow D beat in it. And that done it for me a bit more. But yeah, don't know. Do you like drone? Uh, I would just say no,
0: cause it's like I I think Flood is a very important piece of music, but I like you probably made it ten fifteen minutes, and I just kind of thought like, what are we doing here? But also, I was at work, and that's probably not the best place to be listening to drone. But um, I Sun I I think is cool on paper. I think they're heavy as fuck, and that's rad. But also, like between riffs or between notes, it, it's a
1: while. <laughs> The bridge for me would be like Bell Witch. Yeah. Because or funeral doom, for example, mm-hmm. because that's still kind of drony, but at least melodically, um what he's playing on bass you could transfer it to a piano or an organ or well, I mean they have that in their music anyway, but you know what I mean, and it yeah. would work. Um whereas does drone work on an acoustic? Not that that qualifies as being good music or not, like it is electronic ele- you know electrified music, right it has to be to to be what it is, but like yeah, I'd say so Bellwitch and stuff like that is a good middle brow
0: yeah i, I enjoyed that latest bellwitch yeah. thing that was cool
1: I haven't actually listened to it yet um i could have i- was, i was, we played roadburn, but I was doing press, hmm. so maybe I can see bellwitch um we're playing at arc tangent in the u k which is like a kind of uh, eclectic, heavy music festival, which primarily is about math, math rock, and kind of post-rock. But in the last like four or five years, they've tried to bring in the metalheads like me, so they book like Opeth and Meshuggah and Enslaved and kind of like some techie thrash bands and stuff like that, you know, like Cryptic Shift. So, yeah, even if Slicer hadn't played it, because we played it last year too, I probably myself would have gravitated towards it a bit more because they were kind of putting a bit more, bit more metal on it and stuff, you know. Because I can only take like guys in cardigans playing five four on a uh, a telly that's clean for like <laughs> for ten bands, and that would be and that would be good, you know. Like or seeing Covet. they were cool. Covet? Covet? they were cool. Yeah. But like bit of metal thrown in there makes it like definitely more something that I personally would like go to you know
0: yeah, absolutely i look at that lineup every year and i price you know plane tickets and ultimately decide against it but oh it, really it, oh so
1: you are aware of it sorry uh, I was explaining no no no, that, no. Like, you look, didn't know what it was sorry. like
0: we're talking a lot of the stuff that we're talking about i feel like we could like not expand on too much but for the sake of like people listening to this if they don't know
1: that's for the best yeah i mean i don't know if the american your american audience knows about these festivals in the uk or anything
0: i mean i follow devin townsend everywhere so i think he's playing this oh, year he plays all of them yeah so anywhere he goes i'm like oh what, who else is playing oh the red and i just go down the lineup and i honestly think that's how i found people slicer at some point going down the oh, really? lineup like that yeah
1: yeah he's a big uk head man. Mm-hmm. he like uh, puts in the work here he did like a me and my wife got like one of those paid for one of those online concerts that he did like the streams and he did one for the nhs Oh yeah, I think which is yeah, which is our national health service. I was like, damn Canadian. Typically nice guy.
0: <laughs> he's a sweetheart. I've bugged him enough on the show that he actually knows who I am, and it freaks me out every time. That's oh, a, really? that's a weird nice. brag of sorts, but I, it's very imposter syndrome for me because he's like, oh hey, how's it going? How's the podcast? Don't don't talk to me like you know me. You're not allowed to do that.
1: Oh, he's he's got a whole host of mental tics, so I'm sure he'd understand that. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I figure we should probably start wrapping up, but I had a, a couple brief questions um when did you first start putting like slap pop bass into metal because that that's also <laughs> thanks, thanks man i love it uh, that's me and my band but like <laughs> i know it's not for everybody so really, i'm always intrigued to hear yeah
1: it. sick okay so basically just like it was from when like, i used to play in gem bands um because it just helped you cut through the mix a bit so like instead of just doing uh, a single note you do if you do an octave but you like do a kind of slap and pull at the same time and get like a bang sort of called, it just like pops through the mix more and you haven't even done anything really apart from literally do the same thing. So then if you add in some mutes and some other stuff in there, it can really pop through. And I found that um, also, especially like learning corn when I was starting, obviously, and you get that kind of, you know, he's got those funky patterns and like learning chili peppers and stuff. Faith no more. It's got a lot of slap in it, the early stuff.
0: How's your primus? Mod
1: primer. Primus. Obviously, like Primus is like that's like uh I can't play slap bass that good. Mm-hmm. Like in the kind in the kind of um Stanley Clark that kind of way. because it's like the double thumping is like way too cl- it's way too clean. and for me. I'm just my technique's not good enough. I do more like overhand. Yeah, same. So that's you can it's a bit hot, it's a bit like the you just do going down. I can do it I f- sometimes throw in like a little double fun, but yeah, I can't really do the Victor Wooten style too cleanly in that. Cause I know a lot of the gent players and a lot of like, I guess my peers now you could say, uh, use that technique, but I like Evan Brewer, he's the fucking man. Mm. Um, but yeah, but to, since forever basically. Um, and then Kate in fairness to Kate was kind of like, we'll just do loads of that. That's cool. So do that. Whereas a lot of guitarists get threatened, uh, by you actually trying to be a decent musician and just like <laughs> shut it down either by like kicking you out of the band or just absolutely demolishing you in the mix and um, in gen, that happens the worst to the bass players I feel so bad for them haven't been on the receiving end of it myself when a guitar player is like mixing you're in you're in trouble as a bass player like if you're playing if you're playing a tech metal band so it's just like noted as, <laughs> as, well i mean come on man like periphery haven't even got a bass player anymore for christ's sake like um it's just on a backing track which is a bit sad uh as a bass player to to my craft no you know? i agree so i think every live band needs Asia, a bass player i'm up for it <laughs> yeah yeah they should man It like you know anyway they're gent they're gent guys i love gent by the way like i'm okay. saying it, like kind of disparagingly it's just uh showing my age uh but yeah since forever man cool and i'll continue to do so as long as 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 is tasteful.
0: All right. Uh, last the last question, really. When can we expect y'all stateside? Because I need to be sliced. Dude.
1: So I've been talking to a lot of Americans from all over, like like Florida Floridans, New Yorkers, California, here. Texans, just everywhere, and they all and they all ask that. Slice and us. And the to it, yeah. Well, and the answer to it is, man, is like when it's when it's fiscally feasible. Like because. Oh yeah, it sucks right now. I, yeah. So like just being a band is tough and um, breaking even is tough ha- paying your crew like if you want to pay your crew like literally not just sleep on the floor and and eat some food it's basically like you just break even people are like call you luxurious twats but it's <laughs> like you know i'm like 34 so it's like you can do a bit of that for a while but if you're touring for like two weeks it's like you know um and people are the most hardiest of individuals as a group. So like they need a little bit of comfort, you know, but generally man, it's like just well tough. So when the right opportunity comes along, um, I guess that literally like we got a decent fee and it was the right band that we felt we could like draw some people on that tour or like enhance its sales. um, And also just get the money together for the upfront costs. Cause then they're, they're a lot, right? Like, I think there's that, obviously it's not on the same scale at all, but there was that Archspire video of some of them talking about the touring costs that we were talking about practice yesterday, but obviously like on a much smaller scale, that's the same problem that we front in that to come and do an American tour, like probably going to need to lay out, I don't know, 10, well between 10 and 18 grand or somewhere like that. A thousand pounds, sorry, just to like, what's that? Like $20,000 or something basically to just, Get visas, the infrastructure, costs incurred. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so, but I mean, I'm I'm sounding quite pessimistic, but I think hopefully this album creates like the opportunity to do so. Yeah. I... And there's obviously the enthusiasm from kind folks like yourself who keep asking. So hopefully it it works out. Code Orange just ask us to come. Shit. It's fine. We'll do it. Or ask Trent. Or ask Trent. He can bring us out on tour. That'll be all right. <laughs> mastered on you know like i'm not particularly picky like tall i'll take that maynard if you're listening
0: just us on bro coax it with some wine or something
1: he loves his wine chino i'm sure chino listens i'll put us on yeah he loves his (laughs) wine so does our drummer he loves a red so they bond over that yeah all right, well,
0: my Zoom's running out of time, and I've got to, I've got to say goodbye. But uh, this has been a great chat. I could talk bass and whatnot yes, with you all course. day. Uh, yeah, man. I love the, to talk to another bass player. Yeah, I love the new record. Like, I'm not just saying it because you're on. I think it's great. I've loved, you know, Mirrors was fantastic as well. And Thanks, man. when, if you find your way out here, I'll be there. And I'm very excited for whatever's next for you, you folks. So,
1: you know. Much appreciated, man. Yeah.
0: It's been good talking. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. See you later. Blossom by Pupil Slicers out now. You can get your copy at pupilslicer.bandcamp.com and find the merch and tour dates at pupilslicer.com. Also follow Luke on his Instagram at bass underscore slicer. If you are a fan of slap bass tomfoolery like I am, you are going to enjoy his page. Now to wrap this episode, I am recommending the band Phase Transition. Phase Transition are a progressive metal band from Porto, Portugal. They combine incredibly catchy melodies and heavy grooves while incorporating violin into the mix. Lyrics are in both English and their native Portuguese, which is pretty rad. And the band met up in college and came together to perform Dream Theater covers, so you know they have chops. In May, they released their latest single, Your Guide. And here is that song in its entirety. phase.transition.official or at their website phase.transitionofficial.com Then, of course, I'd like to invite you to head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com There, if you're in a band, you can hit me up to be on the show. You can find a merch store, the buy-me-a-coffee link thing, and a lot more. Then the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
2: A Catbox production.